I was living in a devil town I didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down About the devil town Alright, Ralph Amson here with Chili in the Sun Devil Stadium press box and uh, Arizona State just pulled what many would consider to be one of the biggest upsets uh, of the college football day, if not season. Um, before we get into the nitty gritty of it, Chili, what, what's your initial reaction? I'm not too surprised. I mean, this is a team that, you know, initially I said that this is a 10, 10 win team no matter what. Um, I thought Todd Graham did a great job recruiting. I thought these were, this was a good group of kids. Um, they got, a, you know, a, a, a lot of unity in them. Um, I, I'm, I'm really not surprised. I feel like they're supposed to win these games. People forget that we beat Washington and that we beat Oregon. And I know Oregon wasn't really ranked super high but at the time, but we hadn't beat Oregon in so many years. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised. Like, this team is gritty, resilient, and they're ready for the fight. Right, but, I mean, were you still feeling that way at 13-3 going into the – into the fourth quarter that they because like I, I know how you felt about this team and its players and the way the way that it was recruited but was your feeling that the momentum was going to be able to swing back in Arizona State's direction when 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 it was you know 13 to 3 with 15 minutes left in this game when when it was 13 to 3 uh Hode looked at me and asked me if we were going to win this game and I said you know what all they need to do is catch a break that's all they need is a break. And they got it. This defense played lights out today. Nobody expected them to hold Michigan State to uh, 10 points or whatever, or 13 points or whatever. Like, um, two field goals, the, the way that they held them to those two field goals, you know, Merlin Robertson comes up big late. I mean, they just need to catch a break. And, you know, I am not surprised that they won this game. This ASU team is good. If they don't win uh, – eight, nine, ten games, it is not on the players, it is on the coaching staff. Now, I drive a Hyundai, just not to brag, but... I like Hondas. But I got, I got the sensors on the right side and the left side, and when I'm backing up, I got the camera. Yeah. And it felt like all game long, like, Brian Lewerke, who we've watched for a very long time, so this is not surprising to us, he has a sixth sense about what's going on. He rarely takes a sack. And even in those situations where somebody who's going to throw the ball away to not take a sack, sometimes he's able to make that throw anyway, 25 yards behind the line of scrimmage off his back foot. And, you know, he was doing that all game long, and it's almost like somebody shut off the sensors in my car. That was the break that Arizona State caught, if we're being honest. In the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, he stopped knowing everything that was going on around him all of the time. And Darius Slade and Merlin Robertson destroyed him on one play. And then on the very next play, Merlin Robertson comes back out, nails him again. Now, this is a true freshman, and he wasn't just in on a, in a situational-type deal. Merlin Robertson was playing the entire game that defense that that held Michigan State to 13 points that held them to like 19 yards rushing in the final three quarters was full of freshmen full of freshmen I mean the what should Arizona State fans expect from a defense that can hold Michigan State to uh to 13 points and you know th there's maybe what one or two seniors that really contribute on that defense um Rennell Wren for one you know but other than that it's just all youth 
You know what, um, this is a, a question that we asked last week, you know, how's Arizona State going to respond to the run? How's the Arizona State going to respond to a Big Ten team that's used to pounding the rock uh, up the middle or to the left or to the right or whatever? Um, I, according to the statistics, it kind of looks like uh, Michigan State was held under 100 yards rushing. We got our answer. We got our answer. So is is ASU ready for the Stanford's? It's quite possible, you know. Um, I don't think that we are... This team is special. This group of kids is special. Uh, you know, we've had our quarterback forever. We've had this talented receiver forever. Like, um, I, I think that this might be the time. You know, uh, Graham put together a heck of a, a a heck of a squad that Herm Edwards gets to inherit. And you know, Herm Edwards is taking this laid back approach, and you know, it's working for the kids. Sometimes, uh, you know, and you said this. Sometimes when it's too too strict you need somebody to loosen it up and sometimes when it's too loose you need somebody to you know crack you know crack the belt a little bit and you know right now they got the the right amount of looseness is it a little bit too much sometimes i kind of think so but we're not going to find out until you know um it's too late to be honest now these defensive backs i mean we'll be honest like Brian Lewerke picked on uh, whoever was covering the slot, uh, whether it was a Shari Crosswell or Langston Frederick at any given time. I feel like Cody White had a big game. I felt like it could have even been bigger if they had made him the focal point of what they were doing. He had nine catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. But they really don't test Kobe Williams and Chase Lucas. And when you're not throwing at a receiver that a, that a cornerback's covering, I, I mean – are, have we reached the point where these two names intimidate opposing? Like, do, do they know coming in that those options are going to be probably taken away? Or what does it happen out on the field? When Lewerke drops back, he, he checks left, he checks right, and then he has to go with another option because the coverage is that good. I, I think so. I think especially with Chase Lucas, you know, he's a freshman All-American last year. You know, he got to study the position as a redshirt. Um, you know, Brian Lewerke is a student of the, of the game. And, you know, I got to spend some time with him over the summer. Uh, I chatted with him. I, he was on one of the sideline vlog episodes because I went out to the uh, Guile Academy uh, workout. And, you know, this is a kid that is very, very uh, cerebral in his approach. So, you know, he's watching the game film and he knows who Chase Lucas is. And let's not forget, Chase Lucas is a 6'2 athlete that you know he wants to get that ball in his hands he wants to uh knock it away he wants to be on on that camera so you know um i th i think that you know the chase lucas brand is now starting to instill some fear in quarterbacks uh not just within the pac-12 um but around the around the country and I, I think you know these boys are starting to get known and get get some pub you know, it's it's an exciting time to be a Sun Devils fan. Now, before people go and think that this and, – and I will say that before the season, I said that this Michigan State team is not a top 15 team. They are not. And the reason that I feel that way is they don't have a breakaway threat in the run game. They have guys that they can pound the rock with, but they don't have a guy that you can give the ball that can create his own space and, and, and he's the home run threat every time, right? So – you know, they, they don't have an, they need an Isaiah Floyd type, a guy, a guy with serious speed that can be a change of pace type deal. They don't have that. So to me, um, a, te a team that doesn't have a breakaway threat at running back in the Big Ten is going to be somebody who maybe finishes in the top four of the Big Ten, but a top four of the Big Ten is not does not guarantee you a spot in the top 15. So I've never felt like they were a top 15 team, but this was a very good team. If we just go through the units and how they played tonight, um, 
Michigan State's defensive line was fantastic. Raekwon Williams was a huge problem. If not for uh, having a big center like Cole Cabral, you know, to be able to handle that initial push every single time, especially with Stephen Miller being out, um, you know, they would have been a huge problem. The linebackers were great. The Michigan State secondary, outside of uh, what, what was number what was number two's name that Nikhil Harry was just picking on at the end of the game. That dude was uh, he he was. He was having a really hard time. Um, but Everybody has a hard time with Nikhil Harry, and that, that, that kid's no exception. He might be good, but um, I believe his name's Justin Lane, number two, a cornerback, 6'3", 185. He's a junior. Um, so, so he, he he's 6'3", with experience. They got receivers this but, big. Michigan State has had receivers this big. He's 6'3", 185. Nikhil's like got to be like 6'4", like Six, two, two, six, two, four, like two twenty-five. When like, he on days he when he wakes up, after he gets a meal, and I'm like, and and Lane had a, he had to interfere multiple times, and you have to, you have to if you're guarding Nikhil, right? But when he got scored on, when Nikhil scored that touchdown, he turned around and he just snatched that kid's soul, just talked trash right into his ear, and 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 at that point it was over. Even when ASU was kneeling the ball at the end just to run the clock out, I don't think Nikhil even broke that guy's gaze. Just let him know what, like. What he did, Nikhil really has that that killer instinct. But I would say, as a unit, that Michigan State who's not, who's number ten, because that dude is a star. He messed up Nikhil. He put Nikhil on his back. He had an interception. Um, he had a bunch of really really good plays. Matt Morrissey, a safety. He's Matt 6'3". Morrissey, he's yeah, six three two eleven. And now you're talking about a kid that you know with the extra twenty something could pounds, probably like, play linebacker. Is, hits is like a able linebacker. Able to stand Nikhil up, and I think you're talking about the play where he literally like took him off his Nikhil feet. Up. Yeah, yeah and, but Nikhil got. Uh, I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but would you, you say, say like nobody's punk, right. So would you say that that's probably the best defense that Arizona State's going to face this year, outside talent-wise, outside of USC, maybe Washington, maybe Washington, of course, yeah. Maybe Washington. I mean, I think that I think that ASU is going to. What I think that Herm might do a better job of than the Graham staff is he might be able to revisit this game better later on in the season you know take them back a little bit tell them the story the war story and make it seem so nostalgic that you know these boys remember like yeah we fought a war versus michigan state and we won where i don't think todd graham he wasn't a storyteller he wasn't you know um gonna revisit old memories that even though they might be beneficial it was just film prepare 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 yeah Yeah. well well, and, and I get I get that, but I just I feel like this unit was at least at least stronger than anyone as far as talent goes and cohesion and actually the way they came out and smacked Arizona State in the mouth for for three and a half quarters felt like better than anything they'll face. You know USC has the talent; they don't always play well together. Washington is definitely a huge challenge. Um, you know, held Arizona State to next to nothing last year, even though ASU ended up getting the win. But I feel like offensively, I feel like they were they, they obviously have a very talented quarterback outside of running back this team top to bottom and their punter had himself a hell of a day outside of getting blocked well, pump blocked by tyler johnson and Shout then getting his knee taken yeah tyler johnson uh made an appearance on special team his high school Two. highlight film because he blocked one he tipped he one. blocked one and then he he took he took the punter's knee out, not intentionally, not intentionally. obviously. Like I mean, yeah. But uh, but outside of that, I'd say their their punter he kicked like a seventy four yard punt today. So I, I just feel like top to bottom, this Michigan State team is super talented outside of the running back position, and and Arizona State withstood all that talent with a bunch of youth youth on the field. This really has to give them the confidence to say. 
why not us as far as the Pac-12 South, you know? Why not us as far as the Pac-12? Yeah, no no question. Um, you know, all, all over the all over the stat sheet, you look at things and they kind of stand out to you. For me, it's uh, Jalen Harvey and his 10 solo tackles. Solo tackles. A guy who got kicked out of last week's game, who you wonder if he had the discipline to be, who's probably playing that position because there's been injuries. You know, we, we saw Tyler Wiley out there on his scooter, you know, for, for you know, the, the injury that he had. Jalen Harvey might not even be playing in this game had it not been for Evan Fields getting hurt, uh, had it not been for Tyler Wiley getting hurt. Now he's out here leading the team in tackles and making sure that if the running back does get to the second level, they're not doing anything, you know, after that, which is, um, which really, and this is a guy who's playing offense last year, you know. You know, I, I, I would like to see um, Isaiah Floyd get the ball a little bit more. Uh, three carries for three carries for three yards. Um, not really what I want to see out of him. Like, I'd rather see him getting like the, you know, eight carries for. Eight, like I would even take eight carries for like twenty-five to thirty yards, you know. Just it felt like the the screen game. The they didn't even get have to get the screen game going because the the run game was so abysmal, and and that was Michigan State taking the run away. That had nothing to do with Arizona State's inability to run the ball. This defensive line for Michigan State's just that good, um, and, and I feel like so they didn't even have a chance to get the screen game going. How how much of? Let me ask you something because you you would be able to answer this better than I would. How how much of Michigan State's defensive line success came from um, Stephen Bailey not being available and us having to use somebody who were they getting their first start? Like well, I Steve, mean, Stephen Miller, Roy Hemsley, or Stephen Miller. I'm sorry, Roy Hemsley was a tra- transfer from USC, so he's in practice every single week. He was seeing you know five star recruits. He's having to block five star recruits, and so he, this this wasn't going to necessarily intimidate him. But he's also not. He doesn't have the experience that Miller does, and Miller and Miller has that cohesion with you know the guy to his right and the guy to his left, um, with bo- both of those guys being multi year starters. And so um, I honestly like I flipped my pick to ASU before the game, even though I knew Stephen Miller wasn't going to play. And and I thought ultimately the, the outcome of the game might actually depend on whether or not Stephen Miller was in there. Turns out Stephen Miller's not in there. They're not able to run the ball at all anyway. Um, but they do give Manny Wilkins enough decent pass protection and Manny... Manny, they created pockets for him so that when he would get in trouble, he did have the ability to scramble. And and I want, I want to get into Manny Wilkins today because you are a Manny Wilkins detractor along a little bit and and a lot of it was comparative right yeah. if if Bryce Perkins had never been at ASU maybe that's not your stance Manny a little yeah. bit more um you know and and now we're in a situation where you know even our message boards over at devilsdigest.com uh today all day today our message boards were like oh Blake Barnett's having a great game I wish he stayed uh, uh Brady White looks good in this first half I wish he stayed um oh Bryce Perkins has almost 100 yards rushing I wish he stayed so like there's all this nostalgia. Even, even there were comments on the message board where Steven Montez, what you know, where people were arguing, oh, I'd rather have Colorado's starting quarterback than ours. But all Manny Wilkins does is go out there and and get a win. And he did something today that I haven't seen in a while, which was like turn on the Jets. And because he's elusive and he's agile, he's probably the most agile quarterback ASU's ever had. The most elusive is obviously you know Jake Plummer. They, they've they've got guys that are more elusive. They've got guys that are better runners like Taylor, Taylor Kelly. But this was the first time that I think Manny Wilkins started to take advantage of some of his speed, pick up yards on his own, and really take over. This felt like the time, even though he he overthrew pretty much everyone for the first three and a half quarters, this felt like the day that he took ownership of Arizona State. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Manny Wilkins as our quarterback. 
Um, I do wish that he'd change some of his uh, tendencies. Um, 30 of 48, like, it's, it's not a staggering number. The 380 yards looks good, but 30 of 48 with an interception, I mean, dude, that, that means that you still missed on 17 passes. Like, well, and most of those missed. It's tough to he, swallow when you got a 6'3", a 6'4", target out anything, there. But you got, anything 15 yards and in, he was nailing anything outside of that. And But if you do have somebody who's missing, you want them to overthrow, right? You don't want them making those mistakes. Because the interception that he threw, he got wrecked on. It might have had something to do with how he was hit and when I don't that ball didn't seem very wise to throw in the first place but he he actually usually does a pretty good job of taking care of the ball overthrowing is forgivable that's how you know Eli Manning survived his first 10 years in the NFL was if you were going to miss on somebody championships and I don't want to make this about you know an NFL guy but like you know it's forgivable if the guy is bringing you championships like what championships has Manny Wilkins brought right but if you're trying to squeeze it in there the odds that it's going to get picked off obviously Escalate. I'm just saying, if you're going to miss, I would rather see someone miss deep. And that's what he spent a majority yeah. of today doing, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, I just, you know, I want to see, like, I just want to see him be successful. And, and, and it's tough. I, I think about these 17 misses, and, yeah, they're overthrown. And, yeah, you know, uh, not only can his receiver not get it, nobody can get it. Um, you know, I don't. I don't want him to just throw the ball into space because so it's a convenient me, place to throw let it. Let me to. ask you this. 16-13, hard-fought victory. Are you saying this should have been a two-touchdown ASU win? Yes. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Um, you know, and and I would be stunned if Manny Wilkins didn't agree with that. Um, there are some passes that he missed. And can I make them? No, I absolutely cannot. But he is talented enough that he can make them. And he can make some just some different decisions i don't necessarily want to actually say better but like different decisions out there and you know there's a couple plays where like he fully not intentionally of course but he fully set up his receivers Nikhil harry got crushed on one we were worried that he might not get up i mean we knew right. that it was Nikhil, but like i mean so when i get in the context of talking about maybe this asu team could go on to win a you know in in we're in the overreaction phase maybe ASU can go on to do some damage in the Pac-12. Those are things that need cleaned up. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's fair he to talk about that, that stuff. Um, the receivers. Frank Darby had a pretty good day. Um, Ryan Newsom had a great day. He had to take over on special teams uh, as well. He's a little bit more of, a, I think, a dependable option back there than Brandon Ayuk, who's very dangerous. Uh, Ayuk had his first ever catch, but Kyle Williams, because Nikhil Harry was largely absent for a large portion of this game. He um, you know, he got a couple of catches early. He obviously had the, the, the catches that, that, I mean, really flipped the throat, to be honest, of, of Michigan State there at the end of the game. But it, it was Kyle Williams kind of carrying this team throughout the game and, and stretching the field um, and just being super dependable. He, he doesn't get the appreciation that he deserves. He's probably one of the top five uh, receivers in, in the Pac-12, and I feel like today he proved that. Hey, man, you know one kid that I definitely want to talk about, uh, this Ryan Jenkins, um, two catches for 24 yards. Does it, does, does it, like, pop out at you? No, not really. But two catches for 24 yards, one was for 13, one was for 11. Those are chain movers, and those are absolutely essential. Uh, and those are what complement uh, what Kyle Williams and Nikhil Harry are able to do later on. Uh, Kyle Williams getting the 7 for 104 and Nikhil Harry getting the 6 for 89 and the game-tying touchdown. Um, you know, those are things that, you know, you got to think about. Like, who's going to make that chain-moving play? Um, 
and fortunately for us, our, our receivers were getting the, our receivers were coming off the bench and getting the job done, like Ryan Jenkins and like you brought up Frank Darby. Frank Darby uh, narrowly missed a deep pass from Manny Wilkins. Um, I felt like it should have been caught, you know, but you know it, got, it, it wasn't. But you know, the, our receiving core is, I think, doing an amazing job. Uh, I'm I'm really impressed with them. One through like it looks like seven over here. Um, this Ayuk kid that you love so much in the preseason, like. I'm starting to love him too equally. Two for 28, like, that, that's a big deal. Especially when he has to be in on a rotation. He, there's so many guys that, you know, everybody has to kind of get their reps. The other, um, the other thing. One of them is an All-American. And, and Tommy Hudson, he caught a couple of passes today. And then he doled, out, 15. He doled out some punishment on, on each of his catches. Um, you know, he, he showed a little bit of toughness, picked up extra yards after the catch, which is what you really need from him. Would like to see C.J. French love, you know, not have stone hands on a couple of Ooh. those. He, 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 he could afford to do better. But uh, I think the receivers all in all had a fantastic fantastic day i want to bring up eno benjamin though because i feel like we if if, however long you've been watching football if you have a situation where running back gets bottled up over and over and over again you take the air out of their tires you know it is very very rare that you have like that marshawn lynch type situation where somebody gets stalled out for three and a half quarters then goes beast mode and he didn't go beast mode he didn't do anything spectacular but when it came down to it one of the reasons that they won that game is that he had two runs at the end of the fourth quarter, he obviously got Arizona State a first down on what I feel like was maybe a little bit of an iffy call and even more iffy review. The one that he stumbled on. Uh, yeah, where he did the little barrel roll into what they said was a first down. But he he had two runs, right? He moved the chains. He got his job done after being bottled up all day long. He made a couple of tacklers miss. And to, to be able to have that high level of confidence – despite not really being included in the game plan after being stifled early on. I feel like it says a lot about it. Maybe it's that Texas mindset. He played at such a high level for such a, a long time. Um, but how, how, how do you feel about his performance overall? I know there's different pieces to it. I, I, I loved it. Um, this is a kid that, you know, uh, got stuffed by a Big Ten team. Um, 13, 13 carries for about 27 yards net after, you know, you subtract, like, the loss or whatever. Um, but... He made he did some damage uh, with the passing game, uh, six passes for 54 yards. And I know one of, I know people are going to say, well, one of those was a 25 yard catch. And you're right. So you subtract the 25 from the 54 from the 54, and you got a kid that you know uh, did his thing for almost uh, five catches for 30 yards. That's six yards a catch. That's you know going to put us in a position. You know if you're if you're making that play on first down, where we're looking at second and four, and you know Wilkins has an opportunity to do some different things. And, I, I love I love what this running back is doing. You know, uh, one thing didn't work, and you know, didn't body language out there. He didn't hold his head down. You know, uh, he just tried to help and figure out another way to help the team, and he did it. So let's talk about Brandon Reese because he had a garbage off season. He was not good, and and I think it, he even. He even was running behind maybe Zendejas in practice a couple of different times because he really struggled to be consistent. Obviously, he had a huge freshman year. He's very anticipated as a recruit. You know, he, he's, got, he's got the deep ones, and he, he hit the 49-yarder early, and that was his first field goal of the season. But then it comes out to, you know, it's obviously it's a chip shot, and it's right down the middle. But he walks out there and... I mean, this is going to be something he's going to remember for the rest of his life. I talked to his dad after the game, and he was just, he, you know, he, he was absolutely stoked. This is a kid that, uh, you know, only had an opportunity to kick extra points last 
last week, and now he's out here hitting game winners, you know, against top 15 teams in the country. Um, and he's a local kid, and the stands are full of local recruits that they brought in. Uh, how big was this for Brandon? Yeah, I think this was huge. You know, it's huge for his confidence and stuff like that. You know, I know, uh, you know, he was a, a top recruit. Uh, I think he was committed to Alabama first, and then he flipped. Uh, went to Williamsfield, went locally to Williamsfield, won himself a state championship. Like, this is a kid that, you know, uh, he's, he's super special. And I, I remember I covered one of his games and I talked to him and, you know, man, this kid has a leg and he has the accuracy. Like, I remember listening to you guys talk about, you know, um, he might be falling down on the depth chart or whatever. And I kept thinking to myself, this has to be like a ploy or a smoke and mirrors type thing because like the brand, he did not look good. The, the it was brand, like, I mean, if it was a ploy, it was he was in on it because he did not look good in fall practice. And you know, we're we're only two games in, so like like all that business of like um, you know, he might be falling down the depth chart. If that was the case, like I don't think that they set it up like this. I don't think they set it up like this. So I mean I, I don't know. Some, sometimes, you know, Her, Herm has so much experience, you know, he might be trying to play games with the media. He might, uh, he, I, I, he I might be trying to play games with you guys and <laughs> all of us, you know. Like, he might be trying to pull the okey-doke on us. Like, well, like later on in the season, like, what do we know? Oh, wow, Chase Lucas is on offense? Like, right now it's a joke, and it, it's something that a reporter asked. But, you know, down the road, like, all of a sudden when we see that Chase Lucas package, is this still a joke anymore? Right. And I'm, I just... I, I just, He's I, a comical guy. I, I, I witnessed the Brandon stuff myself over over the over, over the fall, and it, he was putting like backspin on his kicks and, it, and it, trying some new things. I'm telling you, 35 yard kicks were coming up two yards short of the crossbar, and so you know it. This he, is a kid that plays three bar in warmups in high school. Yeah, I mean, he, he's obviously incredibly talented. He, he has the pressure of following Zane Gonzalez, like the greatest kicker in Sun Devil history. And he's a confident kid, and he he, he wants... I mean, he, he was calling out reporters last year that didn't have him as the best freshman kicker in the country. So, you know, I, I know that and the he should. pressure is nothing to him, but... So you're not surprised at all by by the fact that he, he he could have a bad fall and come out here and just bang 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 and get the win. I love this kid. Whether it's him changing his name or the pronunciation, yes. I don't or even want to talk the, about that. Yeah. You know, whatever. Like, I mean, he's gonna get everybody talking. I, I like this kid. This kid has a certain flair, and you know, he can call himself whatever he wants after tonight, probably. Yeah, I mean, you know, after after he hits this three pointer, you know, like Steph Curry, and you know, he's clutch. The man's money. So I want to talk about some of these recruits that came in because this is uh, what a huge gamble by Arizona State. Because we know all of them. We do, yeah. <laughs> we, we talked to a lot of them before the game. But this was this was a gamble. This was pushing all your chips in super early. They did this last year. I feel like they invited every elite recruit out to the blackout game against USC, and then they got wrecked right in front of Jake Smith. In front of all those kids, they got destroyed. Braxton, uh, in front of Braden Lybrock, like, and tonight, they have three points going into the fourth quarter with the entire stands full of not just their uh, guys they're trying to recruit from Arizona and from California in the next couple of classes. There's a kid from Nevada down there as well, one from Florida. But they also had they're both quarterback commits here, right? Joe Yellen, Ethan Long were both here. Andre Johnson was here. Christian Laval, who was part of last year's recruiting class, he's gray shirting is here. They had all these guys in attendance and it, for a second it looked like they might not even score in this game. 
What did Arizona State save by making this an exciting last-second home win in front of all these kids? Does it increase their chances? Because some people say if you go out there and you throw up a, a, a just a nothing burger, then you can turn to those recruits and say, see, this is why we need you to come out here and be part of our team. But in this situation, you know, they go out and they show that, oh, my God, maybe Herm's for real. Maybe maybe uh, this is a place that I see myself wanting to play, even though it's 100 degrees at kickoff. You know what I found so fascinating is that there's a there's a couple ways for Herm to spin this. He was going into the end zone that all the recruits were sitting in. He could either make sure that he lets the hometown kicker win this, or he throws a pass to the hometown hero, Nikhil Harry. There's only two ways for him to do this and do this right, so that all those recruits would be like, "I want that to be me. I want I want all that local love." And I think that you know. Either way, he, either way he does it, as long as he's successful, like it, it's amazing. And it's an amazing experience for those kids. I bet all those kids were like, I want that. I, I want an opportunity to hit, get that game winner in front of the hometown. And definitely stay tuned to devilsdigest.com because like, like Chili said, we know all these kids. We're going to reach out to them. We're going to see how they felt about this. But there were some guys. Well, it, I'm going to see mean, at least 11 of them this week when I go to the <laughs> Saguaro Chaparral game with you. Um, there, there was at least 11 players from Saguaro. Uh, their quarterback, Tyler Beverett, uh, one of my favorite players. I call him a triple-double threat, Connor Soley, which I know you hate that, but this is a kid that's going to get 10 tackles for loss. I just think it's ridiculous that you can predict someone would do that well, and then they go out and they're actually on pace to do it. Um, you know, five-star Keely Ringo, Ty Kaysen, uh Polk. Like all of Saguaro was here, Nick Arve from Hamilton, Brendan Rice from Hamilton, a stud receiver, all of six three, ju- a junior, dynamic. Yeah, man. you gotta win because Brendan Rice is a dude I could see going to Oregon. Keely Ringo is a guy that I could see going to Washington. Big Brett Johnson from Desert Vista was out here. He's already, already committed, committed to Cal. Like the idea that he was even out here is a huge win for Arizona State to even because it feels like some of these guys that have committed to other schools, ASU's just kind of given up on them. Um, but to even have Brett Johnson out here uh, and do that in front of him is huge. To do it in front of the guys that are already committed to kind of reaffirm that yeah, like they knew what they were doing when they when they committed is is a really big deal. Um, I mean, do you think they have a shot at some of these guys? Because, like you said, Brendan Rice, four-star wide receiver. You know, they, uh, Damian Sellers was out here. Damian Sellers is already a four-star. Jacoby Covington, already a four-star. These are rivals 250-2020 guys. They said they wanted 2020 was when they were going to get the elite kids. This is when, well, this no, year's going to be— No, that is not what they said. They actually said that we were going to be getting the elite kids immediately. Well, that was Ray Anderson. Al Luganbill came out, and he said— 2019 is going to be rough. What we want to get is a bunch of tall, fast kids that are going to stay five years. And what do they do? They go out and get Andre Johnson, tall, fast kid who's probably going to stick around five years. He's already going to gray shirt, right? They, they, the, most of their commits are guys that they have to develop physically that are going to be long-term projects. Outside of maybe Connor Soley, who, like his brother, will probably contribute. Ricky Pearsall is ready. Fr- yeah, Ricky Pearsall. Ricky Pearsall has has a uh, college body. Ricky Pearsall looks like that Cody White dude for for uh, uh, Michigan State that was already out there, you know, tearing up the the, the slot out there tonight. Ricky so, Pearsall's a dude. So, but they so they got all these they got all these 
these guys out here and and the 2021s are the ones that they're written because they feel like 2019's already lost a little bit those guys are you know the chandler guys already committed elsewhere um but the 2020 kids outside of you know jack miller who you know who's already who's already lost darwin hubbard everybody else is kind of still up for grabs and some of those kids are there's like seven or eight that are in the rivals 250 and 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 asu thinks they can get a crack at about five of them do you think that tonight helps them do that um I, I want to say yeah because you know I feel like Brendan Rice looks at the uh, Nikhil Harry game time touchdown and the reaction and, and how how like because the recruits are on the north end zone and the infernos the south end zone so obviously it's like right across from each other so you see the re- like the play happens in front of you and you look up and all you see is the inferno going crazy it's a good look like what we gotta doing. talk about this inferno I, I mean when we're talking about the recruits right now and that's important. But it takes up like it takes up like a good thirty percent of the stadium, and it's the only place in the stadium that wasn't filled with Michigan State fans. Yeah. Tonight. There, so I talked I talked to Chase Lucas after the game about all the white that was sprinkled throughout the uh, throughout the stadium, and uh, you'll catch that on the sideline blog, uh, Devils Digest ed- edition. So um, I'll make sure that we post that probably tomorrow on Sunday. But I I. I kind of dig Michigan State. I like their fan base. I think that they're... They're polite. Yeah, I'm, and I always felt like they're the... They're probably what ASU aspires to be, right? Always in contention. Not. Well, that's what Ray Anderson uh, said. I want, you want to be in top three of the conference as often as possible. You want to get a bunch of dudes to the NFL. That's what they do. Um, and you want to... Uh, you know... You want to be in contention for either a conference championship or playing in past January 1st Bowls, right? Michigan State does that consistently. And I feel like that's probably the goal for, for – it might not be your goal, but that's probably the Ray Anderson goal, right? Be the Michigan State of the Pac-12. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be terribly mad at that. I, I get that. I mean, wasn't Todd Graham around there, though? At times, at times, yeah, the two ten win seasons back to back. He was here six years. He won twenty eight games in his first in in his first three years, and then I think he was five hundred after the loss at Oregon State. That probably would have put him in position to actually go to a national championship. So Todd Graham absolutely had success while he was here, um, but he's not here anymore. So Fact. you have to readjust your goals for you know what what they're going to do going forward. My last question for you is: This San Diego State game feels like a trap. It really does. You're, you're coming over here with two of San Diego State's coaches and Tony White, Danny Gonzalez. They didn't really have play-calling duties while they were out there. They got a lot more freedom for Arizona State. They have to play at San Diego State. So these guys are going against their old boss. This is a tough team. It's a team that beat ASU last year. What do you feel like, just your immediate reaction after this Michigan State game, do you feel like ASU is going to go out and be the ASU team that played UTSA or the ASU team that played for the first three quarters at Michigan State? Uh, hopefully they're the ASU that played the first three quarters against Michigan State, played that tough defense. Um, hopefully offensively they get loose like they did against UTSA. Um, one thing that we have to be thankful of is that Penny is now playing for the Seahawks and not playing for San Diego State anymore. Because that dude ripped through us like Pepto-Bismol. Like that boy was killing us last year um, and, they, and they did graduate a lot of those uh, offensive linemen that held on every single play and and like you said we we took a coach from them took a couple coaches from them uh, you know I, I i think that asu is in a pretty safe situation i don't think i don't think herm is uh, so loosey-goosey that he's gonna let this team uh not find their comfort well, so and danny danny gonzalez just flat out said in the postgame presser he said we're not good yet 
I mean, it, obviously the results, we, we just watched ASU be the worst defense in the entire country like two years in a row, you know, two years ago and three years ago, and now they're out there giving up, what, a, a total of 20 points in two games? Uh, one, one, one of those teams wasn't very good, but one of those teams <laughs> was very, very I, – I, I don't know. I thought this Michigan State team was pretty good. I, I, I love Lewerke at quarterback. I, I, if I'm this Michigan State team, I look at the roster and I say, who – Who's the fastest guy we got? How can we move him to run it? How can we get somebody out of the back? Because I, that looks like a 10-win team. Ever, I I would trade out, and I know Arizona State is fantastic and, and, and in great position at a lot of their different um, uh, positions all, all over the field. But outside of receiver, outside of receiver and running back, if I was ASU for, for the sake of short-term success... I would trade out almost every single position group with Michigan State, outside of kicker, outside of outside of uh, running back. So, like, I feel like our defensive backs are pretty solid. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, mean, I think there's an argument to be made there, but I, I, I think this Michigan State team is a really good team. I think they're missing just the one guy that can yeah, take it to the a, house. a breakaway player. Yeah, exactly. no, I agree. I agree. The, the same school that brought us Le'Veon Bell can't can't run the ball. Well, that's crazy. That, yeah. That's absolutely crazy. I mean, this line of theirs is huge. I'm looking at the roster. It's like 330, 340, like 6'4". I mean, these boys are big. Well, let me walk back my comments before I end the podcast because obviously Arizona State just beat Michigan State, and I don't think anybody wants to finish an episode of Devil's Junkie saying, hey, did the host just say he would trade this entire Arizona State team <laughs> for this Michigan State team? You know, I'm saying that what I'm trying to say is it is a compliment to Arizona State that they were able to get the job done because this is a very good Michigan State team. It's not a top 15 team of the country, but, but it's a very good team. But because of continuity with their coaching staff, I do think that this team is more mature and farther along than this ASU team is because this ASU team is still trying to feel out their coach, like game situations and stuff like that. Like the coaching staff and the, the player relationships, like it's all brand new still. Like, you know, it's only two games in and – the first game was a super tune-up. It's like, oh, hey, this team's going to suit up in a different uniform. They're not very good, and, you know, we just got to go punch them around a little bit, and they're going to fall down like dominoes. Um, this Michigan State team, they're not going to lay down like that. So this was like a real game for, you know, the Chase Lucases to, you know, make some mistakes and see what the reactions are going to be and, you know, for Manny Wilkins to make some mistakes and see what the reactions are going to be and, you know, get get those relationships right. You know, Danny Gonzalez making that comment, you know, that this, this team isn't good yet, it's scary for a bunch of reasons. It's scary because, like, damn, dude, how good can this team possibly be? And it's also scary because, like, yo, dude, when are we going to get good? Because if we're not good yet, like, I want to know how we're going to hold up against Washington and Stanford. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's... It is it is scary to think that that if, if ASU is playing this much better than what people are used to, especially defensively, and, and they're not where they want to be yet, you know what is it that they can do? And I, and I would agree they only you know they had nine sacks last week. This next week they they only have two. A lot of that's on Brian Lewerke and just the way that he he plays. But obviously they're out there to have success. They're they're not trying to only have two sacks come at the end of the fourth quarter. I know this is hard to gauge, but this ASU performance tonight it was good, and I think it beats a lot of Pac-12 teams. I don't think it beats Washington. And that and and that is absolutely fair. Uh, you know they did they did clip them. They did clip them. I don't think it beat Stanford last year. Yeah, 
and Stanford had a big win this this week over USC. They do need to get better. Um, this is only two games, uh, so you know we're trying to have perspective and not overreact. I think right. San Diego State's going to be tough enough next week, so we'll see what they're able to do there. Uh, you can follow me at Ralph Amston or at ASU underscore Rivals for the Devil's Junkie podcast page. You can follow Chili at Just Chili. Check out his stuff at JustChili.tv on YouTube. He'll have a special Devil's Digest uh, episode covering this um, this win over Michigan State. Uh, and then, as always, keep it tuned to devilsdigest.com. Chili runs the game thread every week. Hode Rubino always bringing the, the great the great content. we got our, our, our interns over here doing hard work uh, in, in the background. Jeff and Jordan, they're incredible. And so, you know, just, just make sure you're checking in with Devil's Digest. I'll be checking in with the recruits to see how they felt about this win. Uh, and and, and that, that's all we got, man. You got anything else? No, that's it, man. I'm ready to go home and go to sleep. Actually, I'm not going home right away. I'm going to the club to DJ. So I'll catch you all later. Peace. All right, we'll catch you next week. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. All my friends were vampires. I didn't know they were vampires. Turns out I was a vampire myself in the devil town Oh,